I'm Kayla. I'm Jamie. And this is High Crime. And today, actually, so I had to fly home for my cousin's wedding. And so I figured, since my mom is such a fan of the podcast, that why don't we just have her on it? So. I am very honored to be here today with and Kayla and who Jamie. are you? Maggie Caldwell. Well, you don't have to say that. <laughs> this is Maggie. <laughs> um, so she doesn't know what we're talking about and we'll just see this story I might end up doing it in two parts so we might just do the first half of the story today because it is insanely long because it's so insane but uh, let's just go and you know can we just um, make a comment about how Keith Morrison your mom said the same thing that <laughs> oh my god I died so I haven't posted that episode yet because I'm still editing right. it but we recorded like a couple days ago and Jamie was like she we were talking about Keith Morrison because I was saying how much I love Dateline and she was like she just looked up a bunch of fun facts about Keith Morrison and one of them was that he is the stepfather to Matthew Perry who I freaking love he's my favorite friend and he we discussed this I'm basically in love with him because I'm just like I just want him to be happy <laughs> also makes sense because you're a Monica so like, yeah, yeah. So it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. But so I got home. My mom picked me up at the airport. We're literally in the car. And one of the first things she says to me, because I think I was listening to Dateline or something. And the, one of the first things she says, do you know who he's the stepfather of? And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, I have to text Jamie, even though it was 7 a.m. in Philly. So it was 4 a.m. in Los Angeles. I'm like, she won't see it for hours, but I have to text her. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Um, but speaking of Dateline, okay. I found this on date. So I just recently realized that Dateline has put out all of, well, not all of their episodes because they're still releasing them, but they put their episodes on into a podcast. So it's literally just the same thing you would see if you watch that episode of Dateline, same titles and everything, but it's mm -hmm. just the audio. And so I've been listening to it like mad, like that's all I've been doing. Which I think is great because I don't necessarily really want, except for Keith Morrison, like awkwardly leaning on things. Yeah, I don't yeah. really need to see things. Yeah, we don't Dateline. need to see any like any, same with Forensic Files. And it's like, they, they also do the same thing. And it's like great because it's like, I don't have to watch the weird recreations or whatever. Yeah. Just get the details. And did you see there's going to be brand new Forensic Files coming out for 2020? No. Yes. What? Very exciting. Oh my God, I love it. Stay tuned. I can't, I love, oh my God, I just love these shows. But so I was listening and I mean, they're all, Dateline is great because their episodes almost always have like some kind of crazy twist. Like it's mm -hmm. always like different than what you're expecting. But this one episode is just like, I mean, they, so they ended up making a full on podcast. It's like six, they're like 20 minute episodes. So it's basically just a Dateline episode but they did a separate podcast because this story is so insane. So I listened to the Dateline. I I listened to the Dateline. I listened to the six episodes. I read articles. Like, I just was obsessed with this story. So interested to see what you guys think because I think it's insane. The episode, just so you know, before we go into it, the episode, both the episode and the podcast are called The Thing About Pam. About Pam? Yeah. Mm. All right. So don't trust people with one syllable names. Oh, that's Jamie's thing. Yeah. She doesn't oh. trust people with one syllable names. Dad's name is Ed. His name's Edward. Okay. Right. I was like, so, oh, no. <laughs> okay. Your official name. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like if your name is like, yeah, Pam. 
Well, yeah, what is that short for? Oh, right. <laughs> Whatever. Chad. Chad. Always the Chad. Don't trust a Chad. <laughs> okay, here we go. Russ Faria walked into his Troy, Missouri home on December 27, 2011 to find his wife, Betsy, dead on the ground and covered in blood. He called 911, initially telling the operator that he thought his wife had killed herself. Covered in blood? Yeah. Well, just wait. Now when investigators got there, they suddenly, obviously there's a thing where it's like, it's always the husband. The husband did it. Um, So investigators were very skeptical when they got skeptical when they got there and found that Betsy had been stabbed over 25 times. Which is not really like a suicide. How do you do yeah. that for yourself? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, and then when the coroner was done the uh, examination, they the final count was 56 stab wounds. Jesus. And most of those were after she was already dead. Okay. Oh, no. To the heart or the brain? <laughs> Those areas? I don't, I don't remember. Okay, so what the hell happened on December 27th? So Russ says he spoke to Betsy on the phone at around 5 p.m., Okay. Then he skipped. He was. I think he was going to have dinner with his mom, but he skipped it because he had a bunch of errands to run. So he filled his gas tank, got dog food, whatever. His friend Mike has a game night like every week or every other week or something, and he always mm-hmm. goes. So he went to game night at six p.m. He was there with Mike, Mike's girlfriend, some of their other friends. So it was like a solid group of people. Why wasn't Betsy invited? Mike's yeah, girlfriend's there. I think, yeah, I don't know. I think it's mostly like a guy's night, but... Mm. Does Betsy have children to care for? She has two kids. There you go. Oh. Um, so she was at her... Well, actually, so at that point... I'll go into more of this later, but at that point, she had gotten treatment during the day. I'll tell you for what in a minute. And then she was at her mom's, I think. Um... So, like, he's out. He he said they were, you know, they watched the at, at, in 2011, whatever it was, the new Conan movie at that point. And then uh, they watched The Road, which he said was boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he kind of dozed off a little bit. He left around 9. He stopped at Arby's on the way home because he had missed dinner to run errands. He has a receipt that says when he was at Arby's. Of all the fast gets, food places. Yeah. Yeah, it's Arby. always. I know. <laughs> That's my favorite. See, personally. mom likes our. Oh my no! Roast <laughs> beef and cheddar. See, oh. we're we're Taco Bell people. Yeah, you are. Kimmy used to work at Taco Bell. You. Know? Oh, she knows. Fun fact. Oh, I know. Oh, she knows. Fifty percent off. So he says he got home around nine forty, nine forty-five, and then when they looked at the nine one one call, the call came in at nine forty. So his story pretty much checks out. Mm-hmm. But most viewers who watched this episode and um, just people they talked to said, I forgot to pull it up, but I'm going to take a minute. Uh, the 911 call, they were like, it just sounds fake. Do we get to listen to it? Yeah, I just, I have oh. a couple of things for you to listen to. I have a question about how long he was at the card game, or is that something for later? At the game, the game night? Yeah, was he there he, the whole time? That's what they said. Okay. And that's the thing is it's like there's like four to six people who all said he was there the entire time. He got there at okay. six. He left at nine. It wasn't that. He, he had about – No, he left at he, nine. He, he had like a 30-some minute drive home, stopped at Arby's. And like everything that he's – like the police can account for his whereabouts from 5 p.m. until 9.40 oh. p.m. So it's solid, like it solid. seems pretty 
solid. Um, Minus the fact that he sees his wife covered in blood and thinks that this is right. That is very strange to me. Why would you ever just assume that? You would think he was attacked automatically. Okay, I think this is it. Lincoln County 911, what is the location of your emergency? What's going on top um they actually did she call him ma'am in the beginning yes. he did yeah because he was <laughs> my least favorite thing to be called suddenly <laughs> don't like ma'am well that's like we went to my sister her boyfriend one of her friends and i went to a haunt last night and we were on a hayride and it was like all like 12 year olds on the hayride with us and mm-hmm. at one point they were like why aren't you why aren't you guys scared and and one of the girls in the group goes because they're adults and I was like, didn't like the sound of that. That didn't feel good. <laughs> I was like, I was like, ish, ish adult. And then they asked, like, their, her friend Dan how old he was. And he said 26. And they were like, you're an adult. And Ew. Like, you don't know anything. What generation are they going to be called? <laughs> yeah. Um, also, who, like, that's the first thing he says is my wife killed herself? Like... It's just so strange to me. Like, why? Like, yeah, their knife. Like, yeah, people slit their wrists, but they don't all. If they're gonna slit their wrists, they don't also stab themselves in the neck. And you don't say that as your first thing, like, because you're not hoping that. Like, I feel like if you're in that situation, you like say like, "Oh my god, I think my wife might be dead." Yeah, bleeding. My wife's like covered in blood. I don't know what happened. You're not automatically like one assuming that she's dead because you don't want that, and then two already saying like, "Oh, and she killed herself." Like, I know exactly what happened. It's, yeah, it's weird. And, like, she's just, like, on the floor in, like, the living room, I think. Like, why would she do it there? Why wouldn't she go in, like, like the bathroom and the tub yeah. or something? Like, it, I don't think people sit in the middle of the living room floor and are like, all right, stab my neck and slice <laughs> my heart. Like, it's so messy and painful and just so weird. And, and where are the children? I don't know. Oh yeah, I think where they're at, I just think, wondering. I think they're at her mom's because, like I said, I'll go into why. But oh, she was okay. getting treatment for. So okay, so they spoke to Betsy's mother, Janet Meyer, and she was like, she, she was like, he was so goofy, like, oh my wife, <laughs> made fun of him. She was like, it sounded, it sounded goofy. She just kept saying goofy. Um, but then Kathy Singer, who's a Dateline producer, so she's like done this a bunch of times, and she just was like. 
honestly, like, is it weird? It's super weird how he reacted. It's very over the top, but you just don't know. Like people react to trauma differently. Like Mm -hmm. some people are very stoic. Some people are emotional. You just, you just don't know, but it, it did feel really sketchy. So here we go. So why would he think it was suicide? Well, Betsy had been depressed and she had attempted suicide two times previously. What if it was Ugh. reportedly? Her kids aren't that young. Okay. No, they're like tweens or something. Um, so Betsy had always been described as gregarious, happy go lucky, but then in 2010, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, so she, you know, she does treatment, whatever. A year later, she goes into remission. So they were like, great. They even planned a celebration of life cruise. They went with a bunch of their friends. It was, you know, it was going to be this great thing. Then in 2011, just before they left for the cruise, she got news that not only had the cancer come back, but it was stage four and she could get treatment and maybe kind of extend her life, but it was definitely terminal. So like, obviously that's really, yeah, that's really sad, but they still went, they still went on the cruise. She swam with dolphins. She and Russ had their romantic couple time. Like they all had a blast. She gets home and starts treatment immediately again. So it's like, why would you, cause I can't imagine chemo's fun. So I don't know why you would put yourself through that if you were just going to kill yourself. But at the same time, I do get that she obviously would be pretty upset. You know, she has two kids. She's in this happy relationship. She thought she, you know, she got a second chance at life and then it was taken away. So I get that she could be depressed. And then people were like, well, maybe Russ killed her for insurance money. But it's like, if if she's terminal, why would he okay. risk going to jail when yeah. he, she's going to die, die anyway? And all that, you're going to get the insurance money anyway. So that doesn't make sense to me. Um, like, I don't want to pay all these medical bills before she dies. Could be. Could be. I don't don't want to use up the insurance money on medical bills, but it still just seems pretty callous and like, especially that way, it's like brutal. Yeah. Um, But I'm really interested that she did chemo again. I always like, I don't know. My dad had cancer and like from what he talked about chemo, it's like the worst possible thing. So I'm like, if you know it's terminal. Yeah. Well, a lot of times there's palliative treatment out there where you could just go get radiation or do um, other things that relieve your symptoms and your pain. Not okay. necessarily going to cure you because okay. chemo makes you sick. Okay, well, yeah. maybe she was but doing maybe that. radiation shrinks was... things and, like, maybe your stomach will So, yeah, so maybe or... she was just trying uh, okay. to... palliative treatment. Well, maybe she be... was just trying to last as long as she could I mean, for she her might daughters. have been doing chemo. She might have said, I'm going to fight this one more time. Yeah. Yeah. Betsy's family didn't... Initially, they didn't think it was Russ because it's like, it's Russ. Like, they, they were happy. Everyone thought they were a happy couple. Like, mm-hmm. why would he do that? then they kind of started to change their mind. Um, so it comes out that, so one of Betsy's friends was this woman named Pam Hupp. And so she tells the police that Betsy was afraid. Like everyone was like Pam or not Pam, Betsy and Russ. They're so close. They, they're like that annoying couple. They're like, they're so cute, mm-hmm. whatever. Well, they're so not. Well, Pam was like, eh, actually he's not. Um, she said that he was like aggressive and she, she said that she told officers in her first interview that Russ had recently started playing some kind of a game where he would put a pillow over Betsy's face and try to suffocate her. And he would tell her, this is what it's going to feel like when you die. What the fuck? <laughs> now, of course, Russ, Russ denies all of this, but Betsy says, or Betsy, God, why am I, I'm fucking this up. So Pam, Pam is like, no, like this is what he did. You know, Betsy hate, like, she was scared of him. 
And then all this other stuff starts to come out. So they're like, oh, the people called Russ crude and rude. They said he was a guy's guy. They said he was the kind of guy who he talked about like fights. And he's like, well, if I was in that fight, like I would fight to the death. And just like um, Mary Rogers, who is like a close to the family. She said she got a call once from Betsy's two daughters and they said Russ was cursing. And when Mary got there, she said he was upset and he was out of control. Um, I'm sorry about cursing. <laughs> like, I know. They're in Missouri. So maybe it's like, I don't know. Maybe they're more polite there. I don't know. <laughs> Let's say if they actually interviewed his children at all to see their point of what the dad, oh, how the dad I, I don't have, they didn't have put any oh, of that okay. in the coverage. I'm, I, I'm okay. sure they did because if they didn't, that's really shitty police work, but I'm going to get into some really shitty okay. police work. So. Oh, I love when it's shitty police work. <laughs> Maybe when the crime scene like that. Yeah, well, that's not what happens here, but there's a, it's just so egregious. It's yeah. Okay, so um, again, the Dateline producer Kathy was like, some of it I get, but some of it she's like, honestly, like when the first trial started, it seemed like people were stuff that if you would have said it to you know someone on a normal day, it would have been like, yeah, whatever. So he said the F word, whatever. But like people mm-hmm. were on the stand and they were like, he's crude. Like he's so angry. And like, she's like, it, it felt to me like it was people suddenly making a bigger deal out of small things. Mm-hmm. But again, she's like, I don't know. So then Pam just keeps talking about how Russ is. She said he was degrading and made people uncomfortable. So uncomfortable that friends stopped wanting to socialize with Betsy if Ross was around. Russ was around. Um, and this was a huge deal because Leah Askey, now her name's Cheney, but she's quoted everywhere as Leah Askey because that was her name at the time. So she's the prosecutor. And this was the first th- case she'd ever have that was like this intensity, this kind of murdered case. Mm-hmm. In the three years before Betsy's death, there were only three murders in hey. where they lived. So like she oh, really- Where are they in Missouri? Troy. Hmm. I don't really I don't know, know where that is. <laughs> I have family that lives there, but I don't know. Oh, okay. Where they? Yeah, so, live, well, actually, so wherever they I are, <laughs> it's like very like suburban or maybe even like religious and religious. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Well, just very, just not. It's just not. A, it's like now and when now and then starts. You know, they're just like nothing happens here. So like that's a big thing to like not really deal with any murder cases and then fifty six stab wounds. It's like especially of, yeah. I have to say I've been on the job for like three years. Yeah. Um. So, okay, so, well, what physical evidence do they have? Not much. Uh, They found blood on Russ's slippers, which were found in the back of his closet. And there was blood on the light switch in the the bedroom. They also found semen in Betsy, which the prosecutor took to mean that Russ had sex with her just before killing her. And then they were like, oh, that's why there was no blood on him, because he was naked when he killed her. So that this is the the story that she's starting to create. Um, but Russ had an alibi. Like I told you, he had the receipts from the food. His friends said, like, he, we could account for his time. Was that his semen? Yeah. Oh, it was? Yeah. <clears throat> How long does that stay in you? Exactly. So Russ had said... Mm, that's a good point. So Russ told police that they had had sex on Sunday night because there were only eight sperm in Betsy, which is like really small amount. Uh, Uh, And so, so he said, yeah, we had sex on Sunday. She was murdered on a Tuesday. So like they, they were like, that makes sense. Does it last that long? I didn't think it did. Yeah, it does. 
That kind of um, grosses me out that it lasts so long. <laughs> Something living moving in here. Yeah. Yeah, it takes like it takes like three or four days to completely die out. Yeah. Um, but so that the the evidence actually matches Russ's story more because if it was Tuesday, unless he had like unless it was documented that he had like low sperm count issues, like it doesn't make sense. Especially right. if he'd done it right before he killed her. That doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And also, so Russ's lawyer, Joel Schwartz, he was looking at the coroner's report. He was like, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't look like rage because so many of the stab wounds were after the victim was already dead. It seems like somebody was trying to make it look like rage. Oh, interesting. Um, And so Leah Askey, the prosecutor, she said the fact that Russ had accounts for his whole night made him look guiltier. Because she was like, he's trying too hard to cover his tracks. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Well, in her closing argument, she shocked everyone because she, this is the story. Not, not, none of this was said during the trial, but in her closing argument, she said that the entire game night crew was in on the murder. She said it had been planned wow. for years. What? Um, and she said, even though it was planned for years, he still went home that, that night and had sex with her to, quote, unquote, violate her one last time so now so now like none of this was presented the whole time now she's accusing five innocent possibly innocent people of murder or conspiracy to commit murder and she's accusing him of raping her with no evidence aside from the fact that there was semen but like also just as like a legal practice you shouldn't be introducing new concepts in your closing argument like Yeah. That just confuses the jury and makes you less credible. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's a good point. Exactly. And so the prosecutor said Russ got out of the shower naked, cleaned up, realized while he was on the phone with 911 that he had gotten blood on his slippers, so he throws them in the back of the closet. Which to me, I'm like... That is weird, that one part. That is- it is weird, but like, if if I had murdered someone and I was like, oh shit, there's blood on my slippers, I'd like take them to the dump or (laughs) I wouldn't just be like oh like you'll never look in my closet (laughs) right if I throw them in the back yeah like only take one step in looking through all your stuff dude yeah I'm like that doesn't make any sense and this was also shocking so judge Chris Menemeyer also a woman um she ruled that Schwartz who was Russ's lawyer she ruled that he was not allowed to mention Pam Hubs at all and she, he was not allowed to, because like, obviously in a case, you're either going to just try to have the evidence to prove that your client didn't do it or introduce evidence that maybe somebody else did it. And you don't need to prove yeah. it true because it's not their trial, but you say that so that you can add the doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And the judge ruled no mention, complete gag order. Couldn't mention, couldn't mention Pam mm-hmm. at all which kind of put Schwartz in a bad place, especially because it was later revealed that one of the insurance policies on Betsy went to Pam. What? It was changed four days before her murder. What? Switched from being in Russ's name to being in Pam's name, and they still were not allowed to mention Pam at all during the trial. Why would you put it in your girlfriend named Pam? (laughs) That's uh, so bizarre. Yeah, exactly. That was supposed to be her best friend, correct? Yeah. Okay. Kayla, I'm never getting interns in your name. I hope you know that. Good. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird. So, and it just keeps getting weirder because you're taking care of her child or something. Right. Well, that's the thing. Well, like, put it in the kid's name. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. So, okay. So, Pam claims that it was Betsy's idea 
So the, Pam and Betsy, I let me add, they met each other because they work in insurance. Oh. That's where it, so that's where so they know how to do it. They know like where you're supposed to go to get things signed. Like they know the whole process. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, when it was changed from Russ to Pam, they just did it at a library. They just like had the girl at the counter like sign the paperwork as like I guess a notary or something. But it's just like very strange because it's like they work in an insurance office. Why are you doing it at this yeah. library? But Pam mm-hmm. was like, yeah, Betsy showed up and she had all the paperwork already filled out and this and this. It's like. All right. And they were like, well, why would she want you to do it instead of Russ? And she was like, oh, well, Russ is really bad with money. And she didn't trust him to hold on to the money and get dole it out to their daughters. So she was like, I said I would help her. And so, so yeah. So the whole idea is not a family member, just Pam is given $150,000 to save it and put it in a trust to give to Betsy's daughters because she doesn't trust her husband to not spend it all. Oh, okay. Well, I guess putting it in a trust makes a little more sense, but still, that's very bizarre. So the cops saw no issue with this. They, they didn't think it was weird at all. So they just gave the green light to the insurance. Pam got the insurance payout. Um, they took her story completely at face value, even though shit's, oh my God, I see, I'm forgetting so much. So the night that, the night that Betsy was murdered, Mm -hmm. Pam was the last person to see her alive. So she, like I said, she was getting her treatment. Nope. (laughs) She was getting treatment. And normally Russ would pick her up on the way back from game night. But when Uh he talked to her, it was like, oh, Pam's going to drive me home. Now Pam, because Pam Mm -hmm. started going to her with treatment, she started like, in, like pushing herself into Betsy's life. But like they said that they were friends, but once she got cancer, all of a sudden they were like inseparable. Like, and Mm-mm. even Betsy would be like, it's cool. Like I'm going with my mother-in-law, like it's fine. And Pam would just show up to treatment. Um, so that night she drove 30 minutes out of her way to drop Betsy off at home. And then, so she, technically she's the last person who saw her alive. So yeah, why is she forcing herself into her life? Exactly. It yeah. was a little weird. And and they described Pam as someone who uh, was very charming and a lot of people liked her, but she didn't have a lot of friends. So it's like, you know, it's one of those weird situations. Yeah. You can't trust her either. Also, I would be livid if I was getting chemo and my husband didn't come and instead went to go play games with his friends. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I think it's weird that the cops didn't look more into this because I know that their suspect was Russ. But the fact that the insurance plan was changed four days before she died and Pam was the last person to see her alive, you'd think that would put at least a kernel of doubt in your mind yeah. but they were like nope we're good and she gets the green light so she gets the 150 grand what yeah did she even get brought in for questioning yeah but when she was there for questioning she just talked about how bad russ was mm. Mm. um so pam was friendly with the family after the murder initially then the family found out that she had received the insurance payout but not only had she not given any money to the daughters she they asked her for help to pay for Betsy's funeral because of her insurance yeah. money and Pam goes no i don't think it's fair that Betsy's money should pay for the funeral cuz Russ killed her so he should have to pay and they're like but like her family was like why are you like that's her money why won't you that's pay that's literally her? the point like the point of life insurance yep <laughs> that's the first thing you do with it Yeah. Another sketchy thing about this is, well, so, okay. So initially Pam's like, oh yeah, I put a hundred thousand dollars into a trust for the girls. And she claimed she gave the other 50,000 to a struggling family she knew. 
I don't know what family. I don't know why they're struggling. Struggling more than Betsy's family that can't pay for her funeral? Excuse me. Apparently. Apparently. And again, the judge refused to let anyone talk about this. They said, the judge said, this information is not relevant. It will confuse the jury. It's a a red herring. That's crazy. So, uh, yeah. So Russ gets convicted of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. And his lawyer said, I haven't lost sleep in a long time over something in this business. And I lost sleep for a long time. Damn. So some more about Betsy, about Pam. So (laughs) Pam said she called Betsy when she got home to tell her like, oh, I got home after she dropped her off. But they looked at her cell phone records. And so she lived about 30 minutes away from Betsy. And when she called, it was like, say she dropped her off at seven. It was like 707. So they're like, it's not possible that she would have been home. So then she's like, oh, I called from the road. I just forgot. But then it's like, why did you call from the road? Because you said that the reason you called was to say you got home. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So the cell tower said she... I was going to say, what year is it? You have cell tower. Yeah, the cell yeah. tower. They said she couldn't have been further than three miles away at the most. But because of, like, it's not an exact, they said she could have still been at the house when she called Betsy. And obviously it went to Dang. voicemail. Betsy didn't answer. So it's like, this is really sketchy. So why aren't why aren't they investigating this? Well, what they when they gave Ross a polygraph, both the video and audio were malfunctioning and the machine had an error. So none of it was saved. What? Yeah. And here's something I find really interesting and screwed up. So when they were first interviewing Pam, she hadn't put the money into a trust yet. And the judge was like, this makes you look really guilty and they're going to come after you if you don't put the money in a trust. So you better put the money in a trust before the trial. Why is this judge helping her? Giving her advice. (laughs) Is he with her? Are they dating? No. (laughs) How small is this town? I mean, it's Missouri, so I'm just going to assume small, but still. They could be What the fuck? Um, Oh, just a specific note. They worked at State Farm together. So that's the insurance place they worked at. Dude, I have many issues with State Farm, so. (laughs) (laughs) And I've had them my whole life, so. My whole life, my whole driving. I don't like their commercials. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and like I said earlier, it seemed like Betsy uh, and Pam became more friendly after Betsy got cancer. It seemed she kind of inserted herself into her life. And people said that it was out of character for Pam to have that close of a relationship with anyone. But again, maybe it's just... I don't know. Maybe they just clicked or whatever. Who knows? Something else weird. An officer said that at the first trial, Luminol had found a trail of blood leading to the kitchen, which is where Russ made the 911 call. And the officer said he took pictures of this bloody trail, but his camera malfunctioned. A lot of malfunctions in one day. So the picture was just black. Like the picture, you couldn't see anything. So the jury just had to trust him. Like, I'm sorry, that's not, if you don't actually, if you can't actually see anything, that's not evidence. Right. So, so we can't mention Pam who gets the insurance money, but you can show photos that have nothing in them. Like, (laughs) and say it had to do with the husband. Yeah. Why were they, why were, why was that guy even allowed to testify if they didn't really have anything? Mm -hmm. And Russ's lawyer was not pulling any punches. He's like, that's perjury. That's bullshit. And of course the officers were like, you know, it's not, they were very offended by the 
perjury thing, but they were like, they wouldn't comment on what, on what was or wasn't in the photos. The only thing they said was like, you know, perjury is way off base. Okay. (laughs) So Pam says, oh, this is where it starts getting really good. So um, Pam told cops she was a huge confidant of Betsy's. She said she knew everything about her. They could tell each other everything. And she's like, and I mean everything. And she says, she, I replaced what a husband would be. And I'm just going to have you listen to what the rest of that quote was. Ooh. It's honestly a relationship with two women who really aren't attracted to women. It's not, I'm attracted to men. Love everything about them. But she's the same way. It's not like she was a lesbian or anything. It wasn't like it was such an evolution of emotional trauma for her. Yeah, so now all of a sudden they're lesbians. Right, and like, wait, what? Lesbians, well, she said they're, they're not lesbians. lesbians. She said they're not lesbians, but they're, they have an intimate relationship and she replaces what a husband should be. So it sounds like they're lovers. Yeah. But she's and then I guess she said like, we weren't originally attracted to women. Yeah, but, I love yeah. that she's like, there's, there's one line, which I thought it was this one, but it's not. But at one point she says this again and she's like, I love men, love everything about him. I can't wait for Magic Mike XXL to come out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. What if somebody's excited about that? <laughs> no, no homo, but I'm dating her. It's like, what, what are you even deciding? Yeah. What you're like you're talking to cops. It's, you're not shooting the shit with your friend. Like. That's so bizarre. Like, yeah, I'm attracted to men except for you. Like, yeah. I'm straight except for this one time I'm not. Yeah, except for the most important relationship in my life, this woman who died <laughs> seriously. I'm going to die and then I'm going to be one of her people that inherit money from her. Yeah. <laughs> so then there's a recording of her having a conversation with the prosecutor. And the because so they... Uh, they bring this information about Pam getting the insurance, not giving it to the daughters. They, you know, they bring this also the whole thing with the fake pictures. They take this and like, Russ deserves another trial. It was like three years later, like this is bullshit. And the judge was, it, they went to a different judge, not Menemeyer. And the judge was like, yeah, yeah, there should be another trial. Actually, I'm really... Admit, was it a mistrial or... It was just... Um, they fought back or whatever. Yeah, you, you can yeah, file like an it. appeal or whatever. And the judge, it was a different judge this time. And he was like, uh, yeah, this is this is weird. Um, so before the new trial starts, there's a conversation where the prosecutor is talking to Pam because they're doing their interviews and stuff again. And they have a recording of it, which is like... If I were Lasky, I would not want this recorded because they're just talking like they're best friends. Mm. Like, literally, the prosecutor is complaining about Joel Schwartz, Russ's lawyer. Like, he just doesn't like to lose. Like, he just doesn't. He, you know, he's, I just feel bad for all of the citizens of this, you know, city who are, you're you're taking the taxpayer's money off for his ego. And Pam is like, yeah, it's just an ego thing. And they're like talking like they're friends. It's like, no, she's, you're talking to her to get information for a murder case. Yeah. don't complain about another lawyer to her. Yeah. Oh, I wrote everything about this case just makes women look so bad. <laughs> like, yeah, thanks. Yeah. I'm like, because like, initially, like, you read something and whenever there's like 
uh, like not only yeah. is it a woman prosecutor, but it's a woman judge. And I'm like, oh, that's dope. Except they both fucking suck at a job. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make us look good, right? I'm especially mad about the judge. I don't like yeah. the judge at all. The yeah. fact, I just like, can you get a new judge? How new are judge. you? How are you just gonna say you can't mention this person at all? Like, like even with them getting your wife's insurance payout, like how is that not relevant information? How could she not at least be called to the stand? I, I yeah. don't. Yeah, no, no. Why are you giving her uh, freaking financial advice? <laughs> exactly. Like the judge, they, they yeah. literally told her, they were like, oh, you're going to need to make a trust. Or, and they're literally like, or it's going to make you look suspicious. So let her look suspicious. It's not yeah. your client. Like, what are you doing? No, I'm not um, that judge. Now, all of a sudden her story changes. So now when Pam is talking to them, they said, Russ was jealous of her relationship with Betsy and he attacked her at one point. So yeah, now this this new narrative comes out. He attacked um, Pam? Yeah, she said he know. attacked her because he was like jealous. It, 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 I mean, I'll I'll show you the quote, but she said, yeah, he was mad about the relationship she had with his wife, so she like he threatened her. Which obviously would have been relevant, but like if that was the case, why would she not have said that? in the initial interview she had no problem yeah. talking shit about him so why like if if you're if you're like oh i'm like this woman died we think it's her husband i'm asking you questions about him if you if you knew like oh yeah he assaulted me once and threatened to kill me right if you were like relevant wouldn't you tell cops especially because you're saying like betsy's afraid of him or whatever exactly like and, and here's proof in the police interview it never came in but i'll play it now this is what she said when she was interviewed for the second trial. So none of this came up during the first trial. Not the lesbian stuff, none of it. Oh, this is okay. all new information. Okay. Push me up against the wall. He's all red-faced. Oh, he's like, I got this far away from my face. Yeah, he was right there. I can feel a stick. Nasty. And he said, you two muff dumpers, something to that effect. If I ever catch you together again, very young backyard. Just a few weeks prior to her being killed. Yes. That sounds like bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden now he's violent and then it just keeps getting better because then she tells them. So like every time they asked her initially, they were like, when you dropped Betsy off, like, did you see anyone? Did you see Russ? Was anyone? She's like, no, I didn't see anyone. Like I dropped her off. I went home. Mm -hmm. I called her. I went to voicemail, whatever. Well, then the second interview, all of a sudden uh she sees she sees a man in a car right kind of out front of betsy's house and these fucking police officers they're like oh did it look like russ they're fucking <laughs> leading her into it i'm like why is everyone trying to help this woman and so now all of a sudden she's sure she's like oh i saw him in a car he was outside when i dropped her off it's just like oh then here's another great one so then all of a sudden pam remembers that betsy didn't send her a letter, told her she was going to send her a letter. She had written it up on the computer. She wrote an email and it was basically like about how Russ, like she doesn't trust him and she's scared of him. And like Betsy, like if anything happens to me, tell everybody it was Russ. But the email was never sent. But even though it was never sent, Betsy, or not Betsy, Pam knew when she, around when she was going to send it to her, when she wrote it, what it said. Seems, oh, Pam, Pam so <laughs> seems pretty sketchy to me and I have I think I have them reading the letter yeah wait so who produced the letter Pam so, so Pam didn't produce it because she said she never got sent it but she said when they were playing tennis together one day 
Betsy told her, like, which also doesn't make sense because you're going to send, like, if I was going to send you this, like, heartfelt letter of, like, I'm scared for my life, I wouldn't be like, oh, hey, Jamie, keep an eye on your email. (laughs) Right, look in the mail. I think I'm going to get murdered, but I'm not going to just tell you about it. I'm going to send you an email, but, like, just know it's coming. Just look for it because I don't know how fast you could get it. So in the initial, (laughs) when they initially investigated and they, like, went through her computer and went through the house and found the slippers and all that shit, nobody found the letter. But then they looked again, and all of a sudden, they found it. On her computer. Uh, on, it was on Betsy's computer. She just hadn't sent it yet. Um, and then this is... And who had access to Betsy's computer? That's a good question. Oh. Besides her husband, of course, who lives there. Right? Like, I wouldn't keep a letter about how I hated my husband on my computer. No, because he's going like, to Yeah. Him. And then you're going to get killed sooner. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't leave that in drafts. Come on. No, absolutely not. Especially because they probably shared a computer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that nice password, right? Yeah, like, like, yeah. Mad Mad like, it would be like it would be like if you had a, a draft on your computer that was like, "Hey Trish, husband. in case I ever die, Ed did it." Like, <laughs> what? It's more like with all the murderina I am, Dad says, "Yeah, hey, if anything dad, happens to yeah, me, Dad, dad did it." it. <laughs> yeah, he's he's probably emailing people like, "Please <laughs> watch out." Because of what Mag watches and all the crime books, <laughs> uh, podcast you listen to. If anything happens to me, it's Mag. <laughs> um, okay, here is this this never Bob sent Trump? never sent letter. Yeah. I know Isn't we talked about this yesterday, do? but I feel I really need you to believe me. I really do feel that Russ is going to do something to me. Okay, so yeah, so she basically sent this supposedly sent this letter, and so the prosecution finds it and they give it to the defense, and they're like, "Look, like she was warning her," but then Schwartz, because he's a fucking good lawyer, he was like, "Sure, sure, I'm not gonna take your word for it, though." Like, yeah, this looks bad, but he gets a computer like expert, an IT specialist, yeah, to say yeah. It and he exactly it wasn't sent. Oh, when was it, it? When was it drafted? So they like, find yeah. it. They find it on the computer. Um, it was so. It first of all, it was written when Betsy was, she was out playing tennis, so she wasn't home. She couldn't have written it at this time, and it was saved. It was um, it was an unknown author, which means that it wasn't written on that computer. computer. It was put onto that computer. Wow! And seeing as Pam knew it existed, knew when it should have been written. And knew knew what it said. Seems like maybe Pam put it on the computer. Yeah, yeah. Shady to me. So you know, all this shit happens. They go. They you know they they're at trial. They're presenting this, and even the the letter was supposed to be a bombshell. And then Schwartz was like, "J.K. (laughs) Betsy didn't fucking write it." So with this new trial, not Menemeyer, just different judge, and Russ is ruled not guilty. And Russ actually. After the trauma of the first trial, because the jury, like, when it's a jury, it's like, the jury trial is good, because it's like a jury of your peers, whatever, mm-hmm. but, like, all the stuff that, le- like, a closing argument is not evidence, it's a summary, no. like, you're not, and, and they tell the jury that, but being on, like, I've been on a jury, and it's and hard, it. it's hard if someone is, like, strike that from the record, it's like, okay, I'm I hearing you say it. that, but I, it's in my head now, it's hard. Yeah, I heard it already. Luckily, when I was on a jury, I was the alternate, so I just got to listen to everything, and I didn't have to make a decision. I was gonna say, if I ever commit a crime, I want to be tried by a judge. I don't trust my peers. You want the jury? I was on a federal jury. No, she wants the judge. I want the judge. I want the judge. I don't trust. I don't trust my peers. (laughs) Well, and then it's also you have to present. 
because they have to. I want both. Well, they have. <laughs> well, because the ju- the jury, like, if you're sitting there and you're like stone faced, they're gonna be like, "Well, she's not even upset." Like, there's just That's, so yeah, many, it's so much it's like acting. So, yeah, it's so subjective. And so this second time around, Russ is like, "Fuck that shit." I want a trial by judge, especially since it's not met yeah. in there. Um, yeah, it's a it competent judge. judge. That's it what was, I said. Yeah, like, new judge. It was a new yeah. judge. And no, and that's actually really interesting. So, like, one of my classes in Syracuse that I took was, like, taught by a, a district attorney or whatever. And, like, he – we literally spent an entire class talking about, like, when he would strategically, like, slam his hand down on the little, like, bar in front of the jury to, like, make sure the jury was awake. And yeah. that was, like, the moment I was, like, nope. I don't want to be tried by the jury. <laughs> no, don't want to yeah, No, you can't. I mean, you can't trust them. And like... look at the freaking Casey Anthony case. You, if, oh. I, if I were, we, we'll do it at some point, but it makes me so mad. Yeah. If I were to just I read to you the that. facts of that case, she's so, uh, there's no doubt. It's so yeah. fucking obvious. There, and, and like, yeah, it's a lot of circumstantial evidence. But, what about her trunk? But as they say on Red Handed, circumstantial evidence is evidence and the amount of circumstantial evidence in that case is absolutely absurd yeah and and she was like documented on the stand lying to the how do you how do you rule someone not guilty when you it's on record that they've lied to you multiple times during the trial wasn't she out partying guilty of perjury that's not even the worst of it it's fucking insane i know yeah like where's the perjury charge i don't understand but thankfully this time so russ was ruled not guilty thank god and the judge even said that it was the whole first trial and like with the evidence he was presented he was like it's very troubling that he was ever convicted with such shady evidence. And yeah. he said, Thank you. And the judge said that the evidence left you with more questions than answers. Yeah. So well, the whole Pam thing. Exactly. The it's a lot of, thing. it's very questionable. But ASCII, I think I was calling her Lasky. It's ASCII. Whoops. Um, this is the prosecutor. Oh, she, yeah. so after he was ruled not guilty, she decided. The, she'll just like the Betsy case is just gonna like be a cold case because she's not pursuing any charges against Pam. So that's the what? end of it, right? That's the end of it. It should be. Well, nope. two months, <laughs> two months after Russ's second trial, Pam gets taken to court. What's that about? Well, it turns out 20 days after the trial, Pam defunded the whole entire trust, meaning that Betsy's girls get nothing. She took all the money. She took all the money. Did she run? No, she stayed where she was. She just defunded it. Dang. So she wow. gets she gets taken to court, and they're asking her questions, like, about, like, okay, well, did your friend Betsy ask you to put it into a trust for the girls? And she's like, I can't recall. What? She, she suddenly is like, well, like, didn't you say? Like, she's on, like, if one of the recordings, like the ones I played for you, on one of them, she says, like, oh, yeah, I have the insurance money because, you know, she doesn't trust Russ, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, did you say you were going to give it to her girls? And she goes, I don't recall. And if she it's a trust, she, isn't there a signed document that states all of that? Uh, I mean, she, she defunded it. I don't really totally know how that works, but she, uh, and she was being so difficult. Like they'd ask her questions and she just was like, I don't know what, what? And then, then the guy's like, did you do this? Like he's spelling it out so clearly. And she's like, Oh, Oh, I couldn't understand you. And he's like, if you don't hear me or don't understand, just say that. So that he was like, she's being a hostile witness. Yeah. After Russ got a like he had the second trial and he's acquitted. Yes. He's, he's out. Did they not try her? No. 
Wow. Because the prosecutor, because the prosecutor, the one who was buddy-buddy with her complaining about Schwartz, it was her decision, and she decided not to pursue that. That's so bizarre. Yeah, so she was called a hostile witness, um, and then (laughs) this was great. They asked her why she closed the trust. And she said during the deposition, because like they took her to court about like, when are we getting the money? And Mm -hmm. she said during the deposition, Leah and Mariah, who are the two daughters, she said, they said mean things about me. So I went and I defunded their trust from their dead mother. Like she has the right to do that. Like she got butt hurt that they weren't complimenting the woman (laughs) who wasn't giving them their dead mother's insurance money. And so she said, fuck you, you motherless children i'm keeping that money for myself also like how old are these kids like oh this 12 year old's not being nice to me right (laughs) this 12 this whose mother just was murdered like what and she admitted to lying they asked who she because she admitted like that she you know said she would do it and then she didn't do it and that they're like well who else might you have lied to and she goes anyone who bugged me oh my god that's vindictive and and the and the her attorney was even like he even straight up admitted he's like yeah she's not a trustworthy a trustworthy witness but she's not on trial what? for whether or not she's trustworthy well maybe she should be on trial for her so their argument and she actually ended up she ended up getting to keep the money because because what? the judge said that <laughs> Betsy worked in insurance. So she would have known that if she wanted the girls to get the money, she would have had to put that a note in the document yeah. that she gave, and she hadn't done that. Was there proof that Betsy was actually present? Or what if this lady Pam just signed her name? Like, I'm just Yeah, did they ever ask the notary? Was there, like, like, did they ever call camera? They asked the notary, but it was just like a teenage girl at a front desk at a library. So and she was like, like oh, that's right, the library. And, and, and she did say, because like remember, Pam was like, Oh, Betsy had all the documents and Betsy yeah. Betsy ran everything. And she did say, Well, it wasn't like Betsy wasn't leading the charge. Like Pam was the one who was like, mm-hmm. Oh, here's what mm-hmm. we do and this and this. But they went, yeah, they went to just like some teenage girl. So it's like yeah, that makes absolutely no sense. And, like, no. you don't have to put the money in a trust after the person dies. Like, you can have that automatically set up. Yeah. You know? Like, so you don't – so, and then if you have a trust, you have a signed document. Like, I don't understand – I don't understand what she did here. Yeah, and now this, unfortunately, is where I'm going to pause because the second half is literally an entire whole story because Pam is just a fucking enigma. But so when she leaves the courtroom that day and is like she won, she gets to keep 150 grand. She sees the Dateline people and she says, say hi to Kathy. Now, Kathy is the producer and they were, she was like, and they have a recording of her being like, say hi to Kathy. And they said she was like very smug and very like, and they thought it was weird. But at first they were like, I mean, it's really weird, but like. I don't know. It's nothing to get up in arms about. Yeah, maybe she's just really into the line. Well, no, they definitely didn't know each other. (laughs) But uh, then we'll find out how alarmed they should have been. I'll just leave it at that. And then. Oh, I like that cliffhanger. um, And I will just add one point of information. Wait, has Pam then been on Dateline for something else? No. Oh, that's a good question. That's what I was hoping. I was hoping that she changed her entire disguise and murdered someone else before. <laughs> um, no, but Dateline definitely comes back into the picture. And this is the first time. Like Keith, Dateline with Keith, Keith Well, he says in the quote, he says, this is a strange case 
in a career of strange cases. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, he but, has a long career there. Yeah, he has a, he like, has a really yeah. long career there. Yeah, twenty four like, like years. Four, yeah, yeah. 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 We were like, it's a person who can drink old enough. <laughs> like that's how long his yeah. career. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the fun fact is, Judge Menemeyer was suspended in 2017 by the Missouri Supreme Court based on issues related to the Faria case. And then in 2018, Menemeyer and the prosecutor, Leah Askey, were voted out of offices because of how poor Yeah. That is case. phenomenal. I, yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Because yeah. it is, what, 2011? Yeah. Yeah. There they behaved that badly. It, I mean, it's just, a, I just will never get over the fact that they basically put a gag order on the, on the defense attorney. Like, how are you going to tell someone whose job it is, is to, to provide doubt that their client mm -hmm. committed murder. Mm -hmm. If you're not allowed to talk to anyone, not allowed to talk about anyone other than your own client, like Correct. the insurance, like if I was on the jury and they told me like, Oh, her friend, like four days before she was murdered, who she's also the last person to see her alive she switched her insurance to her like i'd be like that's stuff that i think is definitely it's not a red herring that's relevant to know that's really well, sketchy because if, like, if it had had it been the husband who had bought a new insurance plan or changed correct, the plan correct. that would have been that would have been their smoking gun they would have been like he fucking did it for the insurance yeah policy. isn't it anyone who takes out a new insurance policy on someone who is dying four days before especially yeah. not a Blood relative, that should be a red flag. It's very weird. That's, oh, I don't, I've never even heard of someone doing that. That's, That's insane to me. Yeah, and like, she's close to her family. Like, she was at her mom's before Pam picked her up. So, like, why would she not put it in anyone else in her family's name? She's like, I don't trust my yeah. husband. Even so her mother-in-law, Yeah, like, none of them. She puts it in, and it's not like, like, Pam was saying that Betsy was her best friend, but, like, Betsy was very, like, people loved Betsy. She had a lot of friends. I mean, they went on that cruise. Why wouldn't she why would have picked, been the new friend? Why wouldn't she have yeah. picked one of them? Not the five Like, it's one friend. of those situations where it's, like, Pam didn't have many friends, so Betsy was her best friend. Yeah, it but... It doesn't mean that Pam was Betsy's best correct. friend. Correct. Right. So it's just, it's so sketchy and, like... Yeah, I don't get how that's, like, four days. That's insane. I don't understand how that's not... That is the biggest red flag. Yeah. And in LA here, you have to wait seven days after you draft a premarital agreement before you can sign it. And that's, like... Oh, really? Yeah, and that's, like, a law for, like, signing premarital agreements. So that's not, like, hmm, this person got murdered and there's $150,000 <laughs> on the line. Like, yeah. what the fuck? That's insane. It's It's insane, and... I know this is such a tease, but I have to go to the airport. But like the second, know, the second half of the story is even more insane, which seems like it's not possible, but it is. I'm excited to see how Dateline's involved, and I'm hoping Matthew Perry makes an appearance. <laughs> you and me both, and me, <laughs> well, all three of us. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I am ecstatic that I got to join the two of you. <laughs> this and is I great. Miss you, Helene. But I was yeah. so happy to be She's here on with vacation. Kayla and Jamie. Yeah. Yes, we wish we could be in Europe or somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again um, for having me on your podcast. I'm glad you were here. Yeah. So we always this say, great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Say. Follow us on Instagram at High Crime Pod <laughs> and Twitter at High Crime Pod. <laughs> uh, if you have want to send us, maybe you knew Judge, maybe you knew Judge Menemeyer and you want to stick up for her. Not possible, but send Maybe us Maybe you have some Dateline facts about Keith Morrison that we yeah. need to know. Or facts about Matthew Perry. <laughs> <laughs> Email us at info at highcrimepod.com. And to round it all out, our website is 
highcrimepod.com. Yes, it is. And like I said, this is part one. We'll, we'll record part two and then, you know, you'll get the whole insane story. And thank you again to yeah. our guest this week, Maggie. And with that said, uh, later, bud. <laughs>